All siblings deal with rivalry of some kind. We have some tips on how to help your kids navigate this and give them conflict management tools for life. Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I am a social media marketer, writer, and a mom to three boys, ages four, two, and one. And I'm Tara Lynn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids, ages 10, eight, five, and two. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. All right, I've got our facepalm for today, and that is Terilyn and I met very early this morning and wasted an epic amount of time because when we got to the building where we record, I realized I didn't have the keys to get in. And so we just took a little drive to my house, got our keys, and ended up chatting about all the things all morning. So, Which we were planning about taking the time to plan the episode. Because, you know, we've been planning it all week, but, like, we usually take some time before and talk about it. We're like, we'll just take that time and talk about it. Oh, no. Something about the drive and the clouds. and It was just, And I also left my book at home. So we also had to drive to my house. It's Friday. We had a lovely Don't morning, though. On we had a lovely morning. <laughs> it's not productive at all. <laughs> in fact, we were like, we should just do this. Just drive around without our children more often at five in the morning. Let's it's do that. Great. Anyways. Okay. Well, my um, high five is that I have a friend named Allison Sorensen who is uh, doing some life coach stuff. She's starting to be a life coach. And so she has this little pilot program and I signed up to do it, which I've never done anything with. I mean, I've like heard life coaches speak and stuff and listen to podcasts, but I've never actually done experienced any coaching myself. And it's been awesome. Anyway, that's my high five because it's been awesome. Like I think anytime we invest in ourselves, it's great. And um, right now we're working on a vision board, which I already have a vision board, but I've been, you know, re remodeling the vision board because it's been a while since I've given it. Uh, my creative attention and you guys are on my vision board this podcast so all of you out there you're in my in my vision so i love that (laughs) anyway i need to do that i've actually never done a vision board a physical vision board yes i feel like i say a lot putting that on my vision board exactly in my head in my head but there is something Mm -hmm. powerful about putting it in fact since we've moved i haven't put back up my vision board so Mm. it's coming out i have a lot of pinterest boards (laughs) Which counts kind of as a vision board, right? Does it? Does it? <laughs> I have 30 vision boards, actually. <laughs> With my recipes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so today we are talking about sibling rivalry, which is awesome because anybody who has more than one child experiences this. <laughs> and anybody who has siblings of their own experiences this. So that, therefore, a lot of people in the world experience sibling rivalry. So... We're going to give you a few, I mean, this, there's so many things we could talk about. So we've narrowed it down to just a couple little tips to help you guys kind of reframe how you see sibling rivalry and how to foster um, good relationships with, between your children and kind of, you know, manage that. So navigate it is a better word. Um, So first of all, let's just set up why sibling rivalry is even a thing. Why is it such a big deal? So genetically, we are programmed to need 
love, like it's an actual, actual need, not a want. Love, shelter, food, safety, right? And, and among other things, if we go on Maslow's hierarchy, you know, there's more, but anyway, but those are all things we get from our parents. So newborn babies are designed, I mean, literally everything about their face, it's so cool when you get into the science of it. It is programmed to bond in a way that makes the adults around them want to care for them. So it's literally part of our survival. So when children feel somehow threatened that something has happened, oftentimes the entrance of a new baby or as they're older, they see a parent giving maybe another sibling some of that love. Um, it is really, really natural to have inside a kid feel very insecure about that. And it doesn't feel, and when I say the word insecure, I think like sometimes as adults, we think, oh, get over it. You're just feeling Mm -hmm. insecure. This is like at our deepest level. It feels, it can feel like a matter of life and death. Really. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it is not just like a little insecurity. We're talking on a really deep level. The thing, the source of the things I need the most is being threatened. Mm -hmm. And that's sad because we want, obviously, our kids to get along. We don't want them to see as bitter enemies that are competing for the same thing. But if the only reason why I'm setting that up is just so you guys can see that it's a big deal. It's a big deal to kids. And it's important to validate that it's there. Mm -hmm. That's how they're seeing this situation especially when they're really little but even as they get older i mean i remember when i was little it seems so irrational now oh my heavens so irrational but i was eight when my a little sister was born and i'm super close with my sister like i feel like growing up we were big enough in age difference that like we never i never didn't like her like mm-hmm. i always thought she was great but i remember having this really deep emotional sad reaction i remember crying up in my room my parents didn't even know you know because i didn't tell them mm-hmm. but i remember just crying mm-hmm. being like oh, now my parents have because i had a little brother and then she was you know the second sister well the second daughter and i remember thinking they now have another girl they don't mm-hmm. need me anymore like yeah. there's i'm just like now an extra because yeah. now they have her and she's little and she's cute and she was adorable, oh my heavens. And she yeah. was sweet. Even as she got older, she was so sweet. And anyway, it, that feeling didn't last a long time. But I still remember as an eight-year-old being, I mean, like, heartbreakingly devastated in my room crying, being like, oh, I'm just superfluous now. Mm-hmm. I probably didn't use that word. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm just... <laughs> or did you? <laughs> I'm just like an extra now. They don't, you know, there's no need for them to love me. Mm-hmm. But luckily... My parents, through their, again, they didn't even know I was feeling this. I'm sure if I would have told them that, they actually could have helped me, probably coach me through that a lot faster. But, you know, I realized, oh, they still do love me and mm-hmm. it's okay. And luckily, I fell in love with her fairly quickly. So then I just loved her too. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Anyway, what I'm saying is we all, <clears throat> there's something inside of us that feels that we don't want to be replaced and we, we want to be important and we want to be loved. So that's what our kids are feeling. When, when you see this rivalry among your children, just... If you can look at it with a little bit of understanding and compassion, I think you can deal with it a lot better. Yeah. That's so, the yeah. that's the hard part. I was just going to say as parents, I think I go to bed every night like, oh, you have all these buckets to fill up. All however many kids you have and your husband and yourself. We go to bed at night like, oh, how could I have done that better with that one kid so if we can focus on that connection and their buckets full then they can handle those waves of different things much better 
And there's no such thing as, I mean, at the end of the day, there's always going to be somebody, you know, who's... Totally. Every single I time. mean, we can't be yeah. perfect about it. But the lovely thing about just that exercise that you just said is it allows you to the next day, make sure no kid gets forgotten over a long period of time, right? If you're totally. kind of doing a little analysis of, you know, I'm feeling like that kid needs mm-hmm. some extra connection. And it, I love, I love this because really it all comes back to the things we always talk about, which are observing, validating, and focusing on connection. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. These are like a little different tools that we're going to explain with sibling rivalry, but it comes back to those three things. Yep. We're going to observe, we're going to validate feelings, and mm-hmm. we're going to foster specific connections so that there's security instead of insecurity. Yep, exactly. So we're going to break this down a little bit into some actionable steps for when your kids are actually in a conflict or so whether that's physical fight or just uh, emotional, verbal, whatever. So... First step is to observe, as usual, be aware when you are hearing a fight among siblings. Um, And the first thing we want to say is just, so Janet Lansbury, again, one of our favorites, her, one of her big things with sibling rivalry is, yes, when you have little babies that are helpless, you are going to, if if they're um, the target of some sort of, like physical harm from their toddler sibling or older sibling, you're going to keep them safe. Like we talked about last episode, but with, when it comes to sibling rivalry, um, just release yourself from thinking that you need to be responsible for stopping every single fight that your kids have, because unlike with babies where you can, can and need to protect them, siblings are going to have conflict and they're going to learn so much through their interactions. And we're going to talk about, um, kind of nipping really damaging things in the butt, but, 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 in the butt, <laughs> but, currently a non-gardener, um, but, <laughs> but you are a mom of boys, but, so, yes, <laughs> you're a butt. lot, um, but fighting is healthy and normal, so, if you can just release that, and just ah, take that off your plate, and just know my kids are going to fight, then you can get out of that mode of, just the reaction. We've all been there where we have those days where it's like, ah, stop. You, no, everybody stop. No, go in your room. Shut. Like, Nobody say a word. Yeah. Nobody touch each other. <laughs> I'm leaving. Freeze. <laughs> yeah. And you're constantly just reacting. And if you can get out of that mode and get into a mode of, you know what? They're going to have these little conflicts and it's okay. Then you can be more aware of what you actually need to help with and where, where the path is that you actually need to pave. And you're creating a safe a safe space for them to learn conflict management. Right. Because you have to learn conflict management to survive, to exactly. excel really in the world. And so you're really creating a safe space for that. You're, and if they can feel taking, that. Yeah, you're taking away the damaging stuff, which we'll talk about, but you're allowing that. And you're also, this goes back to, I know we say this all the time, but it goes back to, you're not, if you can step away and not let your parenting be defined by every time your kid is unhappy with another child yes. that actually isn't it's like the tantrum thing mm-hmm. once you can detach from kids do this um i don't have to go on the roller coaster of oh my heavens my daughters are unhappy with each other again therefore i'm a bad parent mm-hmm. therefore this and you have to go down that roller coaster you get into the conflict if you realize them. actually this is healthy i'm mm-hmm. going to just make sure i'm going to do what i can to help them through this but i don't have to actually have it say something about my parenting that my kids aren't getting along because totally. if anybody has kids, I mean, I feel like my kids are really good friends, but I can't say that they never fight. So 
I've never heard of anybody who ever says, my kids are never bothered by each other. Yes. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard my kids say, your yeah. breathing is bothering me. You know, I <laughs> think that's just me. a universal, <laughs> that's just uh-huh. like a universal thing, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. So don't let it define you. And you, it's freeing, totally freeing once you realize that. Totally. And if you can turn on that, I love, I talk about the mama bear analogy, but they know that you're there protecting, you're comforting, just your presence is comforting and it's okay to have these interactions instead of, no, stop, like fighting's bad, everybody, I think that turns it into a more of a thing where if you're in this comfortable, like we're all fine, we all have problems, we all get mad, we're good, we'll get through it. It's, it turns on their little brains to think, oh, I can solve this by myself. Mm-hmm. Gives them some mm-hmm. uh, confidence. Yeah, I agree. So observe, for me, a tip that works really well is a lot of times my older boys who are almost five, almost three, are playing in another room for me or I'm just not playing right by them. So whether they're in the other room, outside, whatever. and But I can hear them. So if I hear a conflict kind of bubbling or someone starts crying or whatever, um, I like to say in a very calm voice, hopefully, I hear someone crying, upset, whatever I hear, do you need my help? And since I started doing this, I would say eight out of 10 times, either they just solve it slash they don't even hear me respond <laughs> or they'll say, no, we're good. Usually the older one is then going to console the younger one and, and solve it. But think of what he's learning in that moment. He's learning how to deal with somebody else's emotions. He's learning how to maybe sacrifice a little bit of what he wants for the other person. He's learning how to oftentimes he just removes himself from the situation all those things he wouldn't have ever come up with on his own had I gone in and been like, you over here, you in this room, we're done, we're not playing or whatever, mm-hmm. which I sometimes I have done that. But mm-hmm. if I'm being more aware, I can see they can solve this. This is a little kid problem. It's not an adult problem. It's a little kid problem. They can do it by themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, by offering your support, you're letting him feel like, but if I need help, if, if, yes. if this is too big for me. Mm-hmm. It's okay. My mom offered the help. Exactly. Know? Yeah. I love that. And but lets him feel the pride of I but like this. I did yeah. this myself. You know, yeah. so you're offering support while still giving them the chance to build their own confidence with problem totally. solving. Totally. Excellent. And if they do so, you know, the other times, if they do need you, maybe sometimes one of them will come to me or I can hear it escalating a little bit more. Then the next tip after you've observed and become aware aware of what's going on is to approach curiously and calmly. And after I heard this, I can't even remember where I first heard this or where I, this thought came into my head was that nothing is an emergency. It really, it really isn't. I have, and I have three boys, two that are, you know, one's a baby, but they're not just like brushing doll's hair all day. They are very rambunctious. They're big energy. They're jumping off stuff and doing crazy stuff. Because that's what girls do. They just <laughs> brush doll's hair. <laughs> I've heard this. I have friends with girls say they like to sit and play with like dolls. I'm like, and like have them talk to each other. I'm like, what? Uh, no, yeah, my kids do like, my girls do like that, but they also build zip lines and jump off things. So they are. anyway, sorry, I just they have to make that into <laughs> <laughs> I can just see Send over the dolls. Cohen just like sitting, braiding hair. <laughs> anyway, I wish. Anyway, okay, sorry. Continue. So, so I emphasize that because <laughs> I think a lot of the times, I don't know. You think, oh, that's great if you just have this calm kid who's just easily mm-hmm. it, they're yeah. solving their conflicts so nicely. Mm-hmm. But 
there there still is a lot of big conflict in my house and fighting and physical fighting they're boys they physically fight but and girls do that too obviously <laughs> but i have taken this in like okay nothing is an emergency so when i hear them each kid that i've had i've I feel like with my first, it was like, I hear a little cry and I'm like, ah, emergency. Whoa, go. Like he's hurt. Mm -hmm. Then with the second, it's like, oh, let that go a little bit more. And so with each kid, I've realized they can solve a lot more than I think that they can actually solve. And if I run in, it makes them feel like, whoa, what's going on? Like, this is a big Mm -hmm. fight. Mom Mm -hmm. needs to help us. Like we're out of control. Mm -hmm. But if I give them that little bit of space and I approach like a little more calmly and kind of with the tone of, hmm, something's going on. Like, you guys mm-hmm. aren't liking this. More curious of, yeah. I'm not assuming you guys can't handle this. Uh-huh. I'm not yeah. assuming this is going to blow up. I'm coming in like, hmm, this is not sounding as good as we'd like. You mm-hmm. know, more right. curious about this. So you're not coming in with a storm of anger that fills up the whole room. Mm-hmm. You're coming with curiosity, mm-hmm. which allows them actually to stay focused on themselves and what they're dealing with. Instead of, if you come in with a storm of anger, we've all seen that. The kids turn to you and they're like, what? Like we're both in trouble now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Totally. And when you say there's no emergency, the beautiful thing about approaching it like that, then if there actual ever is an emergency, somebody's broken their arm, Mm -hmm. you still, I mean, you can, you can accelerate your action to whatever level needs. You know what I mean? You can get them quickly into the car and take them to the doctors or whatever. But hopefully you can do that from a little bit calmer space. But those kind of emergencies are very few. And I think lots of times we treat, we come into a room as though there's a broken arm when there's actually not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Totally. We're just treating yeah. everything like an emergency. Yeah. And then let's save that for when there really is an actual like physical crisis. You totally. Know? Yep, exactly. Um, okay, so observe, approach calmly and curiously. And then the next tip is when you, if you do need to intervene with their um, conflict, just to do it minimally. We've kind of talked about this already, but to allow your kids to handle their own fights and age-appropriate conflict. So if they're, obviously, if they're having a conflict that you can tell this is not going to end well if I let them solve it, you're going to help them. But with that curiosity, coach them through what they're going through. So I'll try to give an example. If one kid has a toy, the other one really wants it, they're both pulling at it, come in, hmm, seems like you both really want this car. And you can just leave it right there. You don't even need to suggest, if you feel like they might need your help suggesting solutions, but a lot of times with my kids, it's, wow, you both really want that car. And then either one just takes it and runs off, or a lot of times the older one's like, how about you have a turn and then I have a turn or whatever it is, or maybe it doesn't even look that pretty. Maybe it's, I really want the car and I'm so mad and throws it down and runs out of the room. Still, they're solving they're figuring that out in the moment, that age-appropriate conflict by themselves, and it gives them the tools for next time. Where if you were to go in and say, oh, you guys always fight about this car. We have a million cars just here. You have the green one, you have the red one. And then it ends like that. Then they're like, oh, they don't have to solve anything. They don't create those neural pathways for solution. They're just like, oh, mom solved it. Okay. And then they're just going to keep having that same fight, not ending in any better solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this because, and Janet Lansbury, this is from her also, she says it helps them instead of, a lot of times adult um, solutions are 
more you go over here you go over here you have this car you have this car whatever it separates them because it keeps the peace where allowing them to solve it helps them join each other in play a lot more often and figure out those problems that they're going to have with other kids when you're not there when they go to school or whatever so and when you're in a, when you're when you're adults exactly it happens yeah. all the time yeah so some tips for the intervention you want to prevent hurting Obviously, there's always a lot of times there's going to be some hurting before you get there. And that's just natural sibling conflict. But if you once you're there, you don't want to just let them whack on each other when you're standing there. So prevent the hurting, but allow them to solve the struggle of what they're going through mm -hmm. and trust their process. If their solution is they just both walk away crying, just trust that that is good. You don't need to put your adult mm -hmm. solution into it. And you can suggest different ways for them to channel it. So if they are literally have their fist back, they're about to hit, you can actually stop the fist and say, I won't let you hit. But can you say with your mouth what is making mm -hmm. you so mad? Mm -hmm. Like let your anger out there. Mm -hmm. Or we always do the, we always do the, I see you really want to hit. Let's go punch a pillow. And then mm -hmm. it always turns into laughing. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? So you can suggest, there's nothing wrong with brainstorming if they're having a problem solving mm -hmm. it, you know what I mean? You can always say, I can tell you're really mad and just wanting to come out through your fist, but let's let it come out through your mouth instead. Mm -hmm. Yep. In fact, in those situations, I think it's much more healthy for your kid to yell than to hit. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, do you need to roar like a mm -hmm. lion? Mm -hmm. Try it. Mm -hmm. See if that helps. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like a little pressure valve. So. A little outlet. Totally. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Um, and I do want to add one note here when it comes to letting them solve things on their own is sometimes um, kids get in repeated patterns. So I talked about with Cohen, when Len was first born, it was just like a repeated pattern of hurting and pushing him over. And obviously that's a baby, so I moved to protecting him. But even with um, kids of the same age, so my two-year-old and Terrilyn's two-year-old, when they were a little bit smaller, we had this repeated pattern of, Lenny would just go up and <laughs> grab the tip of Liam's, was it his whole nose? I don't remember, but just like grab on his nose <laughs> really his hard with like his claw. And <laughs> so after a couple times of that happening, I recognized that it was a repeated pattern. And so I gave him a little, I turned it a little more mama bear mode where when I would see that they were starting to get into that during play or they were in a situation where it would usually happen, I didn't, I would, you know, kind of be a little closer to him, but it was more the eye contact, like, I see you. Like, I know this is going on, not in like a, you're going to get a butt open, but just like, I see you, I'm here for you, I'm protecting you, so you don't do that. Mm -hmm. And so for those repeated patterns, get a little more tight with your protection of them. Like, I, I don't want you to hurt him, and you don't actually want to either, so I'm going to protect you. Mm -hmm. And after, I don't know, it's probably a few weeks of doing that, just kind of dissolved. Mm -hmm. So recognizing repeated patterns, if they do come up and getting a little, turning your intervention up a little bit mm -hmm. in those situations. I agree. So we're going to take a little break and then we have some really awesome, specific, concrete ways for you to apply this.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, let's talk a little bit about how to actually, you know, really apply this. So we're going to talk about validation and comparison and ways to actually validate emotions. So picture anything in your own life where you're feeling something really strongly. Anytime somebody tells you just not to feel that way, it never works ever. (laughs) Or even distractions sometimes works, you know, for a short period of time, but it doesn't really last long. So um, something that I wanted to kind of explore here is sometimes as parents we get frightened by our kids emotion when it's directed at another sibling because we love the other kid too so it frightens us so for example and and because we're we're like projecting into the future i have a two-year-old who wants keeps wanting to poke a baby's eye that means she's a psychopath Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. we're thinking in our minds an adult who pokes people's eyes has problems (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's a good just again this kind of comes back to the whole inner space thing it comes an observation. If we can just step back a little bit and say, oh, this child is two. Mm-hmm. She's not thinking of the consequences of poking somebody's eyes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's just thinking, I have anger. Those eyes are big and cute. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, so if we can just, again, um, in, in the book, I love, it's a really good book. It's called Siblings Without Rivalry. And it's by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish. And um, in it, they have really great concrete examples, but they, they give the example of if you have a child who is having a lot of anger come out towards another kid, instead of coming up and saying, ah, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You are, you've got to stop doing that. You're freaking me out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Cause the kid can feel, oh my goodness, my parent thinks something is wrong with me. And they start thinking there is something really wrong with me because I keep wanting to hurt my brother. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. It's really scary for them and it's scary for us. So if you can step back from that fear and instead say, so uh, and so, I'm going to give you some really concrete examples that they give in this book that I just love because we've all felt these things as parents. So again, again, I want to enforce the disclaimer of you do when you can, you actually make the kids in safe situations, particularly babies, just remove them from the situation mm-hmm. so they're so they're not targets. <laughs> but um, so okay, so I'm gonna give you a few examples that probably sound familiar to most people. Have you ever had a toddler say, "Send the baby back"? Mm-hmm. That's a normal desire. And as a parent, again, we're putting it in our parent logic. We think, "But this baby is your sister, and you're gonna love her. And if you want to send her back." That means you're not loving her. That means you're mm-hmm. not appreciating this little newborn miracle mm-hmm. in our lives. But that's not helpful. If you say, you don't mean that. You know you love her. Mm-hmm. She's your best friend. Okay, that is not helpful. That's what we that's what we feel, but that isn't helpful. So instead, just step in and validate it. You don't want her here. Sometimes you wish you'd go away, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you're saying. All you're saying, you're not saying you're sending the baby away because that actually doesn't make the kid feel safer either because you're saying... I'm, I'm willing to just dismiss my, you know, send my kids away, totally. but just validating it. You're not sending the baby away and you're not shaming the kid for feeling that way. You're just saying, you don't want her here. Mm-hmm. I hear, like, I hear you. 
mm-hmm. and I still love you, even though you're feeling that kind of scary emotion, mm-hmm. even though you're feeling anger and you might even be feeling some violent feelings. I still love you. Like you are still lovable. Mm-hmm. That's going to make that anger eventually go away much faster than fighting it and shaming them. You shouldn't be doing that. There's something wrong with you. That kind of feeling. In so fact, oh, sorry. One of my favorite um, ways to visualize this is actually, this is super abstract, but um, I was telling Terrilyn about this the other day. Apparently there's this um, visualization through meditation to think of almost like this beast as your big emotion. Mm. And when you're feeling, when you, so what you want to do, what they say in meditation is you put your head in the mouth of the beast, which sounds scary, but you're, it basically means, okay, we're recognizing that big emotion. There you are. I see you. You're here. Like, I'm just going to go all in. And then next step is you invite the beast to tea. So mm-hmm. it's this, not only accepting it, like, come on in, but you're giving this, like, kindness, this, like, loving kindness to the emotion that I'm okay. I'm I'm still whole, even though I have this emotion. I'm just inviting it in, and here it is. And you can, if you do that for your kids, same thing. They can feel that love from you, like, you're a whole and lovable and I'm just this perfect human, even though you're feeling this about the baby. Even though you're having that beast Big. of anger exactly. inside of you. Yeah. I still accept you with it. Yeah. Okay. That reminds me of this book. We're going to have to talk about it later. It's called You've Got Dragons. Ooh. Anyway, Liam yesterday said, I've got dragons. Anyway, oh, it's so okay. cute. But yeah, it's so good. So good. I love that. We accept you. We love you. Even when you're feeling those really big feelings. It's the same thing as adults. You hear people say, do you love me even with my demons? Exactly. It's like the same concept. Yeah. That, yes, I still do love you even when you're sometimes fist fighting with that demon. Sometimes you're sticking. Sometimes you are facing it head on mm-hmm. and it feels like you're putting your head in its mouth. I love it. Okay, so here's another couple examples. So um, um, say you have one kid who just touches the other kid's stuff. I mean, <laughs> like from your point of view, it's like, hey, that was nothing. Why, why are you freaking out about it? Mm-hmm. And your kid just, you know, say the older one hits the younger one and an automatic response a lot of us parents would say is that is a nasty thing to do to the baby she only touched your blocks like you're minimizing it you know what i mean you're saying like stop freaking out about this Mm -hmm. i cannot tell you how many times i have felt that like that wasn't even a big deal why are you freaking out about that but instead you can say i won't let you hit her like we've said you know so you're still you're still stopping it but tell her how mad that makes you mm-hmm. tell her and i want to hear it you know mm-hmm. what i mean even though in your mind you're like hello oh, come she on she just touched fine. it <laughs> but let her let let your other kids say that why mm-hmm. is it so why are they angry about it and then they can actually practice right there and say mm-hmm. i hate it when you touch my blocks i hate that you know what i mean or i'm so mad when you touch it mm-hmm. or when you knock over my castle that i just made you know what i mean when they can verbalize that mm-hmm. that's a huge skill to be able to step back physically and actually use words instead okay and then another thing and this is like a huge deal for me in my house my my kids are you know my older kids don't do the whole knocking over each other's castles anymore my younger ones still do but <laughs> my older ones don't um but they sometimes i'll hear them call a name and for me the thing about sibling rivalry that's so important is I think it is important for us to still make it a safe space for our kids because if we just let it go wild and unchecked, then there is damage that can be done over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And kids can, with their words or their fists, do, I mean, really do some damage. And for me, name calling is totally like 
I do not, I, I don't have name calling in my house. And if there is, this is what I do. So the example in the book, Siblings Without Rivalry is, you know, so the brother takes the other brother's money and the older brother says, you stole my dime, you dirty thief. So that's a name call right there. Dirty thief is you're, you're not labeling somebody's actions. You're labeling the actual person. Our immediate reaction as a parent is something like, that's a terrible thing to call your own brother. Like you should not be calling your brother a thief and you're, you're mad about it. You know what I mean? Like we do not do that. Do not call your kids names. Now, mm-hmm. have I done that before? I have, mm-hmm. unfortunately, yeah. but this is a much better way of saying it. You sound so mad, but I expect you con- to confront your brother without calling names. Try again. Mm-hmm. And you just have him rephrase it. Mm-hmm. So can you say that you're mad about him stealing your money without calling a name? Mm-hmm. So with my daughters, I'll do this. Luckily, they don't do it very often because it's such a thing that we've been working on for so long. But every once in a while, you will hear something like, you are lazy. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that's like you're calling that person. You're labeling the whole person. That's something that can, if they they actually internalize that and have that become part of what they believe they are, it's going to affect them. So I'll say... Okay, I see you're frustrated about that. Can you say it in a way without actually labeling her? Mm-hmm. And then she'll say something like, I'm really frustrated because we were picking up this room together and you didn't pick up any of the toys. Mm-hmm. I ended up picking them all up. Or you said you were going to vacuum that room and I gave the vacuum to you and you didn't do it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's much more productive and actually helps the kid get the result that they want by saying specifically what's making them unhappy instead of just making a label. And that applies to any label. That for me applies to calling somebody dumb, lazy, stupid, any of those things. Anytime that happens in my house, every single time I say, I won't let you, I won't let you call names. Mm -hmm. However, can you say what you're feeling without calling a name? Try again. And you just, and you do it in a calm way. You're not like freaking out. Like you're a terrible person because Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're a terrible person because you called that person a terrible person. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you're just doing the exact same thing with your act, with your emotions. Mm -hmm. So instead in a calm way saying, can you try again without using that? Because it's really important to you. And then usually later at a different time, I mean, we have a lot of conversations about the whole just because somebody does something you don't like the shame versus guilt concept. You know what I mean? We have that conversation a lot in Mm -hmm. our house. It doesn't mean that the person themselves is bad, but what they did perhaps was wrong. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So we have Mm -hmm. that conversation a lot. And then another thing to keep in mind as we are dealing with children and helping them feel secure in their relationship with us, because that's the stem of all of this, right? They will get along better with each other if they feel secure in having their needs met from us. Mm -hmm. So how this looks is really important. And I know we all know this, but just as a reminder, comparisons, we all know comparisons are not good. However, I think a lot of us compare unintentionally. Totally. And anytime Mm -hmm. we do that, it's undermining the security of the other, whatever the other child is doing. And that in turn is going to affect their relationship with each other and increase sibling rivalry. So for example, I mean, we all know that you're not going to say your two kids are there and you're not going to say you are so much better than this one. You're mm-hmm. not going to say that. Mm-hmm. So let's go into the more subtle kinds of comparison that people get trapped in a lot. So, and I see this happen a lot in public. Mm-hmm. So when you're in a public setting, you're in a, either a group or sometimes it's a really big setting and you're talking about your kids and your kids are there listening. Mm-hmm. If I say Sally is my smart one. She is so smart. She's great at school. She always does her stuff on time. You're giving that as a compliment. You're, you have good intentions when you say that. 
And then Jane, oh, she is so sweet and mm-hmm. so kind. She's my sweet one, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. She's just snuggly and she's so great. And mm-hmm. again, you're, you're saying two things that are positive. But what they found in a lot of different groups and research is that when you do that in a public setting, what ends up happening is Sally hears that and thinks, I'm smart, but not kind. Mm-hmm. And Jane ends up thinking, I'm really sweet, but, not but I'm not smart, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm not even going to try to be smart. Or an- so, so, so you're like, well, can I just not compliment my kids? And I would say in a public setting, don't say things like, this is my smart one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because you're just, or, or I've even heard, I've even heard parents say things like, he's my naughty one mm-hmm. in a group. Totally. So they're, yeah. then they ought, they really think like I am the naughty one, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So it goes with positive or negative. I mean, the negative one's a lot clearer to see. Totally. But so I would say, I would say don't specifically do labeling of any kind, especially mm-hmm. in a group setting where a kid's going to think, okay, well, clearly this is my only strength here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, but I think these kind of conversations, there's nothing wrong with having a conversation with your kid so if I'm in a group setting, I think it's positive to say things like, I love my kids. I'm so grateful that I have the kids that I have. You know what, Sally, I am so grateful. She's my daughter. She mm-hmm. is a joy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Mm-hmm. Just in general, positive things. But when you're like going into specifically labeling, this is her big strength and this is the other one's big strength, then you end up hurting each one. Also, of course, we know, yeah, don't publicly insult your children either Mm -hmm. but this is where beautiful connections can happen in one-on-one these same things that can damage in public i think in private are wonderful i see that this is one of your strengths Mm -hmm. and i really appreciate that about you i really appreciate that you work hard on your homework thank you for doing that see how that in a conversation with sally is a is a positive thing Mm And in fact, that compliment specifically is actually, research has always shown, it's actually better to say, I appreciate how much you work on your homework. That actually does better long-term than saying you're smart, actually. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because one's end results and one is, one's fixed mindset. And then, but I I appreciate how much you work on your homework. That's actually a growth mindset Mm -hmm. compliment. But still, what I'm saying is one-on-one, that reinforces connection and security. It's not comparing. And even if you're having a problem with whoever you think your naughty child is, right? Instead of saying, this is my naughty child, there's nothing wrong with, I, I actually love... Just like Felicia mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, if you have one kid who's acting out a ton, uh, oftentimes as parents, what happens is we start putting that kid at a distance because we're just so frustrated with them. We're like, why aren't they doing this? And and they're hurting people and they're insulting people and I'm freaking out about it. And so you actually have this distance, which, which if you understand the dynamic of how children are feeling and their security, like we talked about at the beginning... They're just going to keep acting out more and more and more, the more that distance is. So if you can notice that, there is a distance, and I'm feeling at odds with this kid. Make a mental note, and I would say within 24 hours, take some time to connect with that child. Mm -hmm. What can you do to actually reinforce your relationship with them so they know the fountain of all that they need in life, which right now is you as a parent, your love, your time, the shelter you provide, what can you do? That can be a one-on-one conversation. That can be a walk. That can be whatever. But I think it needs to be one-on-one. Yep. So make a note when you're having an issue with one kid. And that doesn't mean you only spend one-on-one time with your naughty, with the, I'm like using that word now, <laughs> with the not, one who you feel like is acting baby. up. You know what I mean? Yeah, you naughty as a baby on earth. Um, <laughs> anyway, 
that's, <laughs> that's another story. But, um, but take some time to connect with that. And then with that child, also making sure that you're taking time to connect with all of your children. Of course, right. you're making it even. Yes. But when you're noticing one's having a struggle, just make a note within 24 hours. It's a tendency to push that one it's out. It's easy to push them out. It's easy. Exactly. So and just, that's the place to b- bring up their... If they are having something they're struggling with instead of in yeah. the moment. Yeah. That's a perfect yeah. place. I've noticed you've been you've been really frustrated with her lately. Mm-hmm. And I noticed even yesterday you said this. Mm-hmm. And that could be hurtful. But also make sure in that connection time you're spending a lot more time on positive, positive. connecting things. You can bring up a negative thing. Mm-hmm. But don't have your connection time be the whole negative. 90% positive. You can throw in something. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So those are my tips there. Don't be afraid of their emotions. Practice of validating their emotions instead of shaming them for feeling them. Mm-hmm. And also avoid comparison at all cost. Mm-hmm. Anything you can do to avoid comparison, do that because it's not healthy and it's not going to help. Even those subtle ways of comparing. So that means in public, try to avoid labeling of any kind and focus on in private affirmations and connection. So, so to wrap, so to summarize what we've talked about today these are the things you can try, try this or not, <laughs> is accept that there will be conflict and unhook ourselves from defining our parenting by if our kids are getting along perfectly because they're not going to get along perfectly all the time. So we can just detach from that, just accept it. That's going to happen. We don't have to go on the roller coaster with them. So first is, is acceptance. Second is to validate their emotion without allowing them to do truly damaging things to each other, like name calling and you know serious physical harm. That kind of thing. But you can still validate that emotion. I can tell you're really feeling this. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is avoid comparison and in fit. instead focus on individual connection instead. Perfect. All right. Let's find the magic. <coughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about staying open to the flow of life and letting go of circumstances outside of our control. So I get to start with our face palm today and I would just like to share this to make you all feel good about yourselves. Um, I had our first huge meltdown in a store for years. Like I can't, I, well, I can think of the last time we had it. Actually, I remember it very vividly. But it was probably five years ago in Home Goods with my daughters, and I didn't have sons at that point. So I mean, that must have been at least five years ago. But just yesterday, we were at Harmon's grocery shopping, and I had my five-year-old with me, and my two-year-old with me, and my five-year-old. I've told you guys before that I have the thing of you get to choose one thing while we're at the grocery store, mm-hmm. a thing of your choosing. Mm-hmm. So you know, sometimes that's a cookie sometimes it's a what you know whatever anyway so as we're shopping you know he's doing and it's so cute he's he's really adjusted to it now it's like his and for he's me it's a it it's a principled boundary and it's just cute to watch him he'll find something and be like oh, okay you know i'm gonna put the lucky charms back and take this and so it's cute to watch him decide as he goes anyway and he and he, it's been a very good boundary for us it hasn't caused any meltdowns it's been very good but <laughs> we got to the end of like where we're going to check out and they have all those treats there. And he's like, mommy, uh, what about just one of these two? And I'm like, you can totally have one of those. Just put back your, I think at this point he had decided on the lucky charm. So I'm like, yeah, it's fine. We'll just 
trade it for the Lucky Charms. That's fine. And and you could, and he this time he was having a hard time with it. He was like, but I really want it. And then he noticed that we were also getting to the point where we were about to pay. So we had, we had loaded on stuff, which he was also sad because mm. while he was deliberating, we had been loading on the stuff. So then he's like, ah, you didn't help me load it on the mm. little conveyor mm. belt. And then he saw that my two-year-old had stuck the card in the card reader. So then he was like, but I want to stick the card in. So it was just like the, the triple thing. Right. He, he didn't get the tree because he had chosen this thing. He had missed putting stuff on the conveyor belt, which apparently is a huge deal. And also, which I didn't realize was such a big deal, when you're in that state, not putting the card in the card reader is a really big deal too. So at yes. this point, now, they're both in the cart, both trying to reach the card both trying to pull it out while it's like being read so i'm having to hold them and it's it's one of those situations like okay you know it's embarrassing well i'm not really actually embarrassed by it but the concept is embarrassing so he's crying my two-year-old's trying to hit him (laughs) and i'm holding on to both of them and i'm saying ah i know that's frustrating and i know you want to pull the card out but we have to wait for it to process right (laughs) so i'm literally just holding on to them and he's crying and my two-year-old's squirming and they keep trying to reach out and it was like oh my heavens so anyway <laughs> it was his turn to take it out so he took it out and i just like escaped with my life you know what i mean it was <laughs> like, and i'm sure someone's like wow looks like you've got your hands full <laughs> I know, they, they always say <laughs> really <laughs> yes you, you look busy <laughs> like oh thank you anyway so we went out and uh, and it was totally fine we unpacked and he, he probably cried oh as I unloaded into the car and then cried for maybe like a minute on the way home. So the whole thing maybe lasted four minutes, but it was, it was a public Ugh. cry fest of where I actually had to use my arms to like hold them back and yeah. actually had to put him in the car and push him out as he was crying and just wave at people. Like I'm in a parade. Like, yeah. Hello. Hello. It's We've got a lovely this. day yeah. here at Harmon's. <laughs> anyway. So just making you feel better. It's, it's been a long time and I had kind of forgotten what that feels like so to have a mountain in public. I think lucky terms. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. They went out. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, <laughs> anyways, so there's my face palm. It happens to everybody. And a lot, lot of times I feel like when you, allow space for emotions and you set limits i actually feel like meltdowns decrease in general yeah again it's been a really long time since i've experienced that but totally they still happen and it just reminded me of how fun it is (laughs) okay well just to put a cherry on that i have a high five about going to the store (laughs) oh excellent excellent and oh something i thought of though with that you always have the choice when they're freaking out i could have just said yeah fine have the tree okay fine take out the card and put it back in whatever But all those things aren't, weren't going to, they could have stopped him from crying, Yeah. but they're not going to help me not have, they're going to just increase the chance of meltdowns later. So, totally. you know what I mean? I, I actually think it's important for me to hold that boundary totally. and just let it happen. Anyway, I think so. especially if you, like we've talked about before, choose it first. It's like right when he asks or hold your boundary. But a lot of times we give in after the escalation is like yeah, freaking yeah, out. Yeah. They're like, fine, just do the card. <laughs> yes. They're like, oh, perfect. Next time I can just go that high. And exactly. mom will say yes. Exactly. You don't want to yeah. wait till they go up to reinforce it with right. like, okay, great. You know, I want to stop this so bad. Now I'm just going to give you the thing. Because yes. you're right. Yep. Then you're just showing them. Yeah. You freak out and I'll give you what you want. Yeah. Anyway, so totally. now tell us what, <laughs> how you had the opposite experience. It sounds lovely. So I normally... And Terrell's the same. I don't go to stores a lot with all my kids because ugh, it's not very fun. <laughs> 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 the shivers. 
let alone Costco, which oh heavens, you know, oh, you don't have Costco like Sam's Club, like big, everything's big. <laughs> but I really needed to go to Costco bad. I've been putting it off. That's where we get all our diapers and wipes, and I had the time. Like I'm like, okay, this is enough time to go with all three kids because it's obviously going to take a lot longer. We didn't really have anything. So I went to Costco with three kids and I was really scared, to be honest. But first of all, their carts fit all three of my kids <laughs> in the top. Three spots. What? Yes. There's technically two spots, but then there's like a perfect space for Sunny to go in the middle. Oh, amazing. It's amazing. And so that was a win. And nobody broke down somehow, I think, because they had samples. <laughs> they were trying all the snacks. But... I get to my car and I have so much, everything's big, so much stuff. And I go through Costco and I can't just not, like, (laughs) I'm just tempted by all the treats and all the things. (laughs) My car is so big. And usually it's like. The more you buy, the more you save. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. They've got me. And so I was really nervous to get, because all my, Cohen, my oldest, can like get in the car by himself. But even when you're in a busy parking lot, you're still like. You have that feeling of like, oh, just get in. But they all like, I got Cohen and Lennon out and they just like got in the car by themselves without even being asked, really. All Which this never is happens. It was like, this is the best <laughs> of miracle. What is happening? And we got everything home. The box did fall in the car and my like roasted chicken broke open in my car. But I mm. just, you know, after all the good things, I was like, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, Roasted chicken <laughs> is, is nothing. My car will sink forever. But anyway, so that was my high five. And I'm not going to attempt it for like another year because I don't want to ruin that Costco moment. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Just let it hang there in your mind. (laughs) Leave it. (laughs) Leave it with good memories. Wow. Okay. That's impressive. That's the stars aligning. And someone did say to me, looks like you've got your hands full. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's true. I actually think I get that every time I'm out. Even if I have one kid, they say it. And sometimes I want to be like, you have no idea actually how full my hands really are. <laughs> this so is nothing. True. Anyway, so true. that's yeah, that's hilarious. When people say that. <clears throat> okay, so today we are going to talk about um, clinging. How a lot of times in life we cling to everything. Really bad experiences, we kind of dwell on them and let them hang over us. And good experiences, even though it sounds positive to hold on to good experiences. Um, it can still weigh on us if those things change or whatever. So we're going to talk about letting those circumstances, whatever they are that are outside of us to flow through us in any moment. And you may say to yourself, wait, what? Why would we not hold on to good things? (laughs) And the concept here is we are beings that ha- that work best really most things in life work best when we allow them to flow right so energy flowing through us we're actually going to have more energy and i've totally experienced this you have more energy when you're allowing things to flow through you anytime you're like blocking it you're trying to hold on to something cling on to cling to it it actually blocks it and your energy goes down totally mm-hmm. and there's a lot of really awesome examples of this um michael singer in his book the untethered soul which is an awesome book i'd recommend um both Felicia and I love it. Um, He talks about, he gives a ton of examples of, I mean, you literally can have a moment where you feel like you have no energy, you're depressed. He gives the example of, um, you know, your girlfriend breaks up with you or your boyfriend breaks up with you and you're just depressed for months and you're eating, like you're doing the things that you normally do, but you're totally depressed. And then, then when 
your girlfriend calls all of a sudden you have the energy back like but your eating isn't changing your sleeping isn't changing so um energy is one of those things that we we do a lot of things on the outside when we talk about energy but no doubt there's stuff that happens inside of us that totally affects our energy Mm -hmm. so the love so what we're talking about here is letting stuff flow through us and you can live in such a more free way if you can learn to allow this to flow through so we're going to give some examples to kind of show you what this means um so i love 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 poetry and william blake is one of my favorite poets and he has this poem that really oh, i think about it all the time it helps and it helps me so much he talks about the I, this this exact concept he says it's called his poem is called eternity and it says he who binds himself a joy does the winged life destroy but he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise so even with joy we have a tendency to just like grab it and we want to hold it and we want to keep it and i think we've all felt it with our kids you see your kids and you're like oh you just feel that like love well up inside of you and you want to like hold it you want to like breeze it right there and oftentimes i find in myself when i actually cling to it what happens is then i start fearing that it's going to leave what if they get sick what if oh what if 10 minutes go by and now they're crying you know what i mean like all those things because that it is going to leave that moment is going to leave and if we can just enjoy it while it's there it's so much better and we can live in so much more of a free way so the concept here of letting things flow through us so we talk a lot about words that we say a lot in our minds so i've told you guys already i always say here i am that's something i tell myself all the time it's like a mantra that i say tell myself stay in the present moment another mantra that i say in fact felicia and i use this all the time in our um parenting stuff is the the mantra of lean into it like just lean into the feeling of it this is the concept if you're leaning into a feeling you're letting it come through you you are letting yourself feel it and letting yourself move through it a lot of times when we have a negative emotion we want to just push it away because we don't want to feel it but if you lean into it it gets stronger and then it dissipates every time. And you don't get that blockage inside of you, which takes down your energy level. Yep. Um, but another mantra I want to say that has really helped me recently from the book, uh, The Untethered Soul, is stay open. Stay open to this moment. This very moment, like stay open. And the sounds, and I'm sure there are people out there listening to this, why would you want to stay open or lean into a negative moment? what about really hard moments because life isn't all just <laughs> bliss and cute baby faces that you want to cling on to what about these negative moments that we we don't want to actually lean into but it's important to actually do it because and if we don't let it flow through it has nowhere to go yeah it just builds up yeah yeah how many of you have had an ex- uh, situation in the morning where your spouse does something that bothers you so i'm just going to use a really mild example but this applies to big things too um say like your spouse say like your husband leaves his socks on the floor and you see the socks on the floor and you're bugged and then you start having all these negative thoughts of like Ugh. Mm-hmm. i mean i have to pick up it's one more person i have to pick up after blah 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 and your husband has been gone for eight hours now and you keep thinking in your mind you keep putting yourself in pain by going through this thought mm-hmm. if you stay open to the moment what that would look like is oh i see those socks on the floor that's a circumstance mm-hmm. and oh wow i'm observing that my thought is wanting to say that you feel unappreciated or whatever blah 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 <clears throat> i'm just gonna observe that thought wow interesting and the feeling is unappreciated. I feel that. If you can just observe that. Mm-hmm. So 
this is such a freeing concept because you start realizing that you are the observer of your thoughts and emotions, but you are not your thoughts and emotions. It's not the same thing. You're not actually controlled by your thoughts and your feelings. You can simply see them and say, oh, wow, I'm seeing that. Now I'm going to stay open to the next moment. That was this moment. I'm feeling it. I allowed myself to feel it. And I'm going to go into the next moment. And the beautiful thing about that is that you don't have your whole day derailed by socks on the floor. Now that's a small example. Let's talk about bigger examples. And obviously we could go on. This applies to literally like every single example of negativity in our lives. But um, so an example I just had recently um, that I was, and I was able to practice it. And I really loved how it, how it was. Um, just this last weekend, I had, I feel like, you know, every, you know, I get a, like a virus here or there and it's fine, but it rarely like affects me a lot. But this last weekend, I came down with something <coughs> nasty. Like it just floored me. Like I was at my daughter's soccer game and within like an hour after soccer game, I was like in bed. Like it was oh, one of those like, I have worst. to. And I, I even went on a hike that morning. Like I had been feeling great and it was just all of a sudden like, bam. Headache, body aches, fever, chills, all the things. And I was laying in bed and I was thinking of Eckhart Tolle and <laughs> <laughs> living in the present moment and, and this concept of letting something flow through me, not fighting against it, mm -hmm. right? So, and creating a blockage of energy, mm -hmm. just literally like, I'm just going to accept this moment. And right now, this moment is, I feel terrible. I mean, I can barely move. Like, and I a am, lot of times with sickness... I, subconsciously we're like oh why am i sick i have to do this i shouldn't be sick i take my vitamins i'm taking care of myself like oh, i don't want to be sick i have all this stuff i have to do yeah those are the thoughts that are created right. pain in addition to the already physical pain of being right. sick mm -hmm. so exactly so it was more just like identifying those thoughts like okay yes i am feeling all those things i'm just gonna feel them and let them go through me i'm gonna lean into that mm -hmm. stay open to the setting so can we truly accept a situation like this. I'm just going to like try it out. And because it's been a long time since I've been sick like that. So, and I thought of Oprah even says that she did this with a sickness once. So I was like thinking of Oprah, like, okay, Oprah did this. I can, I can try this. So I'm literally just laying there, just saying to myself, stay open. I am sick. I am sick. I've already done everything I can to help myself get better. You know what I mean? Like I have all the, you know, my little immune boost vitamins and had a lot of water that I was drinking, all the things that I logically knew physically I could do to help myself get better quickly. But after doing those actions, I wasn't doing them from a place of, I shouldn't be sick. I don't want to be sick. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this to stop it. It was more like, I'm going to accept this moment. And then of course, take the action that I can to heal. Mm -hmm. But then, I, then I've taken the action. What am I going to do now? Mm -hmm. Am I just going to sit here and wallow in myself? Or am I going to just this is where I am and I'm just going to rest. Right. And so I, and, and I just did. Luckily it was on a weekend where my husband could take care of the kids in the morning. And luckily my kids are getting old enough too. He actually had to leave half of the day and I just could tell my oldest ones, I need, I need some rest time. Mm -hmm. And I just slept. I, I slept. I literally like went to bed at night and of course it's not good sleep when you have a fever. It's mm -hmm. like feverish, weird sleep, but all until like three o'clock the next day and my fever broke and I felt way better. Like I've actually never had a sickness like that. Usually I feel like when you have the body aches and the fever and the chills, for me, it always lasts long. Mm -hmm. But it was literally like, <clears throat> I mean, the fever was gone and I felt, I felt better. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those like, oh my heavens. So are you saying when we actually accept and move through, it actually allows even our body 
to, to process things and heal faster <clears throat> and just accept that yeah i'm not actually trying to i'm literally just just gonna heal right now mm-hmm. and do that and anyway it was actually a really cool experience and the other cool bonus which i wasn't expecting when you focus on accepting and just flowing through is i also had some really cool insights that i i like after the sickness it was one of those like oh my heavens that was i had some insights on my own um it was actually a, a f- insight into my own judgmentalness, which I didn't really realize I had before. Anyway, but it was really great. Like I felt like not only did the sickness go by faster, but which wasn't the purpose of it, but that was just like a happy benefit. But also I felt like I was like gifted these really wonderful insights from it as well. Mm-hmm. So I actually left the sickness feeling better. With mm-hmm. it in that moment, not trying to fight it. Or if you'd been fighting it, you'd been thinking about that, but mm-hmm. you were open to, I'm just here. Uh-huh. Let anything come to me. <laughs> and even listening, it was even like a, can I trust my body even when it's sick? Because mm-hmm. I'm all about, like, I'm always like, oh, trust your body, do this. Mm-hmm. But what about when it's sick? Can you mm-hmm. trust it then? And and it was interesting because, like, I had, like, my book with me, which I love to read books. I even had, like, an iPad in case I want to watch movies. And none of those even sounded appealing. Like, you tell my mm-hmm. mind needed the rest and my body needed the rest. And even food-wise, like... I didn't, I, I felt like I should just drink water until when my fever broke. And then I felt like eating very specific things. It was Mm -hmm. interesting. Like I woke up and I was like, I need, I want an apple. And you know, it was interesting, Mm -hmm. but it was fascinating to me. It was like a epiphany of like, oh, Mm -hmm. I can be present and listen to my body and process things. Even sicknesses process better, not just negative emotions. Everything processes better when we're just open to the moment and we don't have to have that internal fight with current reality it's the fight that causes the pain inside of us and when we have thoughts that create the fight inside of us just recognizing them is what gets rid of them it's like amazing it's so simple but so liberating i agree um i love that i have so my example is going to switch gears a little bit how we can apply this in parenting so last night cohen had a big meltdown. I feel, he's almost five, so um, he he's kind of gotten to a space where his meltdowns aren't really, really, really big, like two-year-old style, where they're all the time and big. But this one was really big. He wanted to... He had this battle of he wanted to do two things. He chose one thing and then <laughs> later realized, oh, no, I wanted the other thing now, actually. You know, classic. Um, which we do that even as adults right exactly we're in yep. regret and, uh, yep. i should have chosen that one yep and so i just told him no it's time to go to bed you can't go outside and play was the thing he wanted to do and so my husband wasn't home and i was uh nursing sunny so we've all been in that situation where we're feeding the baby or doing something with well, maybe not all of us if you don't have multiple kids, but people have multiple kids. I feel like this is like a big trigger for your older kid. They see, oh, mom is preoccupied <laughs> with the baby so I can control a little bit more, kind of do whatever I want. So he went, got his cl- play clothes on and like heads out the door. And this is like at bedtime. Um, and so basically I just went out, told him he need like you can't do that. You need to come back in and... Um, he proceeded to have like the most epic meltdown, like slamming doors so loud that he like knocked over <laughs> like dishes in the kitchen from slamming the door from another room. I mean, like it was a bad, bad 
bad meltdown. You're the meanest mom in the world, all of this. So I was starting to feel the mat, the real, just the anger well up that I just wanted to correct him. You can't say that to me. You know, those feelings that we get when our kids are, especially as they get older, they really know how to say things that really just push the buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to feel that well up, but I thought to myself, I'm going to give this a little bit of space. I'm going to give him a little bit of space and me a little bit of space and um, let it, just let it be here. He's He's really upset about this. That's just what it is. I'm not going to, be able to stop his i could distract him or something or let him go play but i'm or bribe or threaten exactly i'll stop it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but i'm gonna just let it be here and so i put sunny my baby down and i got my two-year-old ready for bed and in that process when i when i'd given us that little bit of time for it to just be i realized i don't really know why he's doing this but there's something going on for him I can give him a little bit of compassion he doesn't need my anger that's not going to fix it and so <clears throat> I just let that moment just sit for a little bit and then I could see him soften as I had let the all the madness flow through me I could see once then I felt the compassion I could see his little body soften and change I could just tell that he thought oh my mom she gets me I don't really know why he was doing that tantrum, but I just saw him through new eyes and gave him a little more nurturing and compassion. And just, I still had to say, you know what? I'm going to protect you. Cause he was trying to like leave his room and run out. I still had to hold the boundary. It wasn't like he was just like, Oh, I'm happy now. But I, I felt the shift in the energy. Once I let all that upset and anger and all of that, just be there and, flow through me then I feel like he got to a space of oh my mom like she gets me and I feel like I understand understood him more after I let that anger pass and you let him actually just those emotions actually flowed through him so same concept you weren't causing a blockage in his emotions by making him react to your emotions because you're freaking out too Mm -hmm. you just let them go through and that's the best way to get rid Mm -hmm. of them is they just go through you or tell him to stop feeling Mm -hmm. you know whatever it was Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and talk about um, how to do this with positive things, how to let go of and not cling on to the good things as well. Okay, so we're going to talk about um, some positive examples, but first I want to give you guys um, a tool for doing this in your everyday life that I really love. And um, this tool comes from Tara Brock, Tara Brock. I think actually it is. And she has a podcast um, where she has meditations and talks. And she also has a book called Radical Acceptance. But she has created this acronym for kind of realizing our emotions and letting them flow. And her acronym is RAIN. So it stands for Recognize, Allow, Investigate, and Nurture. And since I've learned this, when I'm in these situations, so say the situation with Cohen last night, I think of this really quickly in my head and I love it. I feel like it, I'm kind of like a write down list person. I feel like it breaks it down for me in a way that I understand. So recognize, see what's happening in the situation and 
within you why you're feeling like you are in the situation. So to apply this to the situation with Cohen, when he started to, when he left the house, when he started to have this big tantrum, I just, I was, I saw, I'm so mad because you're disrespecting me. You're not listening to me. I told you you can't go play. And then you start to have this tantrum. It's not that big of a deal. Get over it. Those are all the feelings that I'm feeling. So, so I recognize, oh, you're that you're applying reason to feeling exactly <laughs> which oftentimes yeah. yeah feeling has nothing to do with reason exactly <laughs> and so then recognize and then allow so just in that moment just let the feelings be how they are so in that moment i just let cohen be really really mad and upset and tantruming about not being able to go outside and play and i also was allowing and being okay with those feelings that I was having and seeing them as thoughts and as feelings separate from me. So put that little space there. Like I'm, f- I'm having those thoughts that he's going to turn into this like tyrant who's disrespectful and doesn't listen when he's a teenager or whatever. But those are thoughts. I can see them outside of myself. They aren't actual reality. Then investigate. So investigate, I like this because she clarifies that you're investigating your thoughts with interest and with curiosity. So it's not trying to fix them. It's more like, hmm, why am I feeling that? I'm just mm-hmm. curious about it. Mm-hmm. I curiosity wonder. Curiosity is so yeah. powerful. Yeah. Am I tired? Am I whatever it is? And then nurture yourself in that moment. So a lot of times nurturing, we think of like, oh, good food or get some rest or get a massage. But this is like within that moment of having those emotions. Give a little compassion and we talked about i think last episode about inviting the beast Mm -hmm. to tea so that same thing you know what all those bad things that i'm feeling it's okay i'm just going to give him a little compassion a little love all those bad things that cone is feeling in that moment i'm going to give him a little love i've been there just give him that compassion and then she says after you do that rain acronym you have this moment of after the rain where it's it's almost like a wash, like, oh, that's all wash. Mm-hmm. It just pushes mm-hmm. it through you in that after moment. Yeah. It's letting it flow. Again, you're opening up that yes. flow. And I love that visualization where it of is. the rain, yes. washing it through. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. Okay. Oh, I love that. So the idea of letting stuff flow through us and just accepting life where it is, because that is where it is. Um. Another word that a lot of times is associated with this, especially in yoga. So you guys know I love yoga and um, it's the word detachment. And when I first started learning about the word detachment, honestly, my first instinct was to just totally rebel against it. Like I was like, no, I live life attached. I Mm -hmm. love things from an attached way, right? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Attachment parenting, attachment, everything. Yes. So when I first heard that word, I was like, okay, I don't want anything to do with that. That's (laughs) ridiculous. (laughs) But then the more I learned about it, it almost more, sounds calloused. Like it a, does. It uh, sounds like I don't care. Yeah, exactly. But what I found, and well, and again, I've learned about it now for years, and I feel like I'm just starting to understand that the idea is that we actually truly love from a place when we can love something for what it is and not because of its attachment to us. Mm-hmm. So we can feel the love for just like we mentioned earlier, when your kid is laughing and you see that joy and you feel that feeling of love, that is wonderful. 
And then as soon as you add the, um, Brene Brown calls it foreboding joy, actually, where as soon as you switch to, I never want this moment to end, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. one day that kid's going to be big and we're going to fight and Mm -hmm. blah, 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 whatever. Which sounds exaggerated when you give the example, but we, we all feel that subconsciously, if not as exaggerated as that, but we all feel that subconsciously, like you don't maybe know that, but if you took a step back, you'd be, you would see I love my house. I love all my kids. They're so, I love all of this just how it is. And if it were to change, if you were to lose your house, if, if all those things were to be different, I think we would all be like clinging to that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. So that's an example of we actually lose the ability to stay in the present moment and love truly when we're trying to hold things the way they are. And I think as parents, we feel this all the time. Totally. All the time. I mean, I remember being overwhelmed with it, watching my little she was my first baby and I can still remember the first time I felt this feeling really strongly. My husband was like tickling her and playing with her and I was watching it. I was feeling this overwhelming feeling of love. And then I autumn like right after it was like this feeling of, Oh, but what if something happens to her? And mm-hmm. it was just, then I was overcome by fear. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my heavens, I would just, that'd be the worst thing. And so in trying to keep the situation, it actually ended up just taking me out of the present moment. And I was, and I remember being like, it was uh, like floored me. Like, what is this? What is this feeling? Why, why is this like overshadowing? And what I've come to see is that if we can just accept present moments for what they are and just enjoy them for being what they are right then, we can allow them to move through us, whatever happens in the future. Mm -hmm. And, and it's totally, totally freeing. So we're actually detaching from our ownership of them and just allowing ourselves to experience them. Mm-hmm. So, um, and an example of this that has taught me so, so much. So I was working on this inside of myself. Well, I've been working on it for years, but, um, last year we decided to move for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. There were good reasons. One of them being that I get to live close to Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> we're both moving. The best to, reason. We're moving to be, um, we're going to live close to each other anyway. Um, but again, so there were reasons that I had decided we had made the decision as a family. We had even sold our house. And so then we were going to be living in our house for a little bit, obviously, before we moved out. And and I loved my last house, guys. I mean, I loved it. I loved my neighbors. I loved my house. I loved everything about it. And so it was this strange place I found myself where I was living in a place where I loved, but I knew I wasn't going to be living there for much longer. Mm-hmm. So I found myself, so for example, we had a place in our backyard that I loved it. I had a tramp with like this big tree that shaded the tramp. And I found myself when we go out to jump on the tramp with my kids and we could hear the creek going, I would feel joy like, oh, I love this. And then the next, the next feeling within a second was, and this is so sad because you're not going to have this mm-hmm. big tree anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be by the tramp. You're not going to be able to hear the creek while your kids laugh and it was like a uh, then then i'm out of the present moment Mm -hmm. and i'm attaching and i'm clinging i'm clinging to this moment hoping that if i cling to it right subconsciously we're thinking if i just hold on to this maybe somehow it'll just stay this exact same way Mm -hmm. every second and it was amazing guys because again i feel like when you start looking at things from a place of actual just acceptance and living in the present moment then you can look at it and I can actually say to myself, oh, okay, there's that thought again. There's the thought Mm -hmm. that this is painful because I'm not going to be 
at this place anymore. So I just, I'm going to recognize it and actually just let it, let it go. Just let it pass through. Mm -hmm. So just like William Blake says, if we try to actually grab onto things, he says when we try to grab the joy, it stops it from flying, right? And you actually hurt its wings. So when I'm trying to cling onto this beautiful place that I am with my children right now, I'm breaking it. But if I can just kiss it, like as it goes by, here's this moment and I'm just seeing it and I'm loving it and I'm enjoying this moment with my kids in this place that I love and that's all. That's where I am right now. And yes, the thought comes for the future, about the future, how I'm not going to have it anymore and I just let that thought, just also watch it just like a stream, just Mm -hmm. like, interesting, there's that thought again. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come back though because I'm actually enjoying this. Mm -hmm. Like this is a place for me to enjoy. And it's been amazing because... Now I get to apply it where we're living now. And I like where we're living now, but of course it's our, cause we're renting while we're building and I get to apply that same thing. Now I can enjoy the moments now and be in the present moment and let it flow through me and also enjoy the house that we're building that I'm going to love also. Mm-hmm. And I've found you can actually found the same amount of joy in the house that you love or the house that you don't love as much or in any circumstance, if you're just open to actually flowing through you and I just, yeah, just saying, stay open, stay open. Mm-hmm. And then when that foreboding joy or that thought comes by, you just recognize it and just let it pass. Mm-hmm. And it is so, it's so powerful. And so it was such, a, and the thing I love about it is it actually turns life, all of life into this amazing, like mind blowing school, mm-hmm. right? Like it turned me moving from my house from this like, oh no, this is so hard to a, wow, this is, I am learning so much about the nature of what the yogis call detachment that I had never even been able to grasp before, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not even saying I have a full grasp on it, but wow, it's Mm -hmm. been so, so liberating for me. I can honestly say living in the house we live in now compared to the last house that I loved I can feel the same amount of joy in the present moment. We have access to the exact same amount of joy in every single moment, regardless of what the moment is. Mm -hmm. And in difficult moments, so again, ah, I just love it. Because even in difficult moments, being in the present and not trying to like hold on to the past or block it Mm -hmm. or fight it in the the current um, situation. And I know people hear that and they're like, how can you not fight against bad situations? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you don't take action. I'm saying the internal fight inside of us that it should be different than it is. It's not. This is the exact moment right now that allows you to move through to that next moment of joy later. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just totally. like so, it's and so mind blowing. every single, in almost every single moment we can practice this because even with little tiny things, whatever they are, to big things, life's given us a lot of practice every yeah. single day. Okay, so... We want you guys to try this or not if you don't want to, but practice using these mantras in your daily life. Stay open, lean into it, whatever one feels good to you. Um, And realize that you are the observer of your thoughts, your circumstances, all of that is not you. You are not the thoughts, you are not the feelings. Um, Create that little space and see them as outside of yourself, separate them from you. Okay, so let's find the magic. 